Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 106th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Anthony Pagnotta back with you guys, and as you can probably tell, once again, riding solo here to get you ready for another day of ACC tournament action. Again, it is a weekday, bunch of stuff going on, work and everything like that, so I'm going to be here by myself. I'm going to recap the game for you guys that happened last night against the Virginia Cavaliers. Also get into the matchup today with the Virginia Tech Hokies. So you go from one team on the bubble to another team on the bubble. We'll give you a bunch of information about the Hokies, what to expect. We'll look back to that second matchup of the season. Carolina, this is the third time they're going to face them this season, looking for that complete sweep this year after getting the regular season sweep over the Hokies. And uh, Carolina hoping to improve their seed line currently uh, staring down an eight seed in the South region, according to Joe Lenardi, that has changed from the Midwest region yesterday. So the guy that uh, most people look at as the foremost authority on these kind of things, he has Carolina at this. He has Carolina at this point, right on the border, uh, potentially being one of those teams that could probably jump up uh, a couple of seed lines here before this is all said and done. Carolina would, of course, love to be out of that 8-9 range, probably even that 7-10 range, and potentially jump up into that 6-seed range. Hopefully they can get there. We'll tell you uh, about tonight's game and how they can take a step closer to doing that. Let's start with the Virginia recap, though, and take a look back at last night's 63-43 win over the Virginia Cavaliers in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. It was a late one, but for the Tar Heel fans that were able to hold on through the entire game, it was an outstanding night. Carolina, who has struggled under Roy Williams to beat this Virginia team year in and year out, uh, has beaten this team now two times in a row. They beat them earlier this year, of course, in the Smith Center. We told you about that yesterday when we previewed the game. This one very similar. This is another one of those games. There were a couple earlier this year. I, I, the one that sticks out the most to me was the NC State game where we said, look, Carolina, it's going to be tough for them to sort of recreate the performance that they had 
earlier in the season when they faced this team. And with Virginia, it felt the same way. And Virginia, there was justification. This was a team that came in at 19-12, and 12-8 and eight in the conference. They were on the bubble. They had been playing a lot better than when Carolina faced them earlier in the season when they were 9 and 6 they were still or 9 and 5 coming into the game ended up being 9 and 6 afterwards they were still trying to sort of round themselves into form after a couple of early season upsets that really nobody saw coming so this was a team that was supposed to give Carolina more issues they had beaten duke uh, earlier this season and in the second game that they faced them uh, they nearly pulled the upset once again, um, and they really had had won the games that they had needed to down the stretch of the season. But for Carolina, it was just a dominant first half, mainly on the defensive end. They hold Virginia to 13 points in the first half. That is the fewest in the history of the ACC tournament. And Brady Manick outscored Virginia by himself. He had 19 in the first half. Wasn't a great overall half for Carolina from the field. Really wasn't a great overall night for Carolina from the field, but he had an outstanding performance himself for Carolina in that first half, and uh, pretty much at a point, just started playing isolation basketball himself. Carolina did a good job to free him up, but man, he made some plays when he needed to in that first half to allow Carolina to get that 20-point halftime lead, which normally is big enough for normal teams. Then when you get into the fact that it was Virginia, they still wanted to play that extremely slow pace. Boy, Carolina really took advantage of Virginia's tough shooting in that first half and were able to pull away rather easily. The 43 points overall in the game are the fewest allowed by Carolina since allowing 39 to Georgia Tech Back in 1982, for Brady Manick, he becomes the first Tar Heel to outscore an opponent in the first half since Reggie Bullock did it back in 2012-13 when he had 21 first-half points as compared to Maryland's 20 points. And as for Armando Baycott, he didn't have the greatest night, wasn't the guy that was the focal point of this offense, but he still set the triple-double, or the, excuse me, the double-double record in UNC history by surpassing Bryce Johnson, uh, who had 23. He was tied with him coming into this game. He now has 24 on the season. Bryce Johnson, of course, did that back in his senior year, the 2015-16 season, and we all know what Carolina did uh, during that season. They made a run to that national title game that the ending, uh, we don't really know what ended up happening in that game. We turned it off after one of the greatest shots in college basketball history, which has been memorized on the timelines, uh, memorialized, I should say, on the timelines here over the last couple of days. He is now third in rebounds in a single season. Baycott is trailing only Tyler Hansborough and Antoine Jameson. I believe, if I heard the stat right, he is now within 18 rebounds of catching those guys. So, Uh, You would imagine, uh, especially with the way that this team is playing right now, that he is going to have a heck of a shot to get that done later on uh, sometime here in the next couple of weeks. Let's take a look at the box score. Carolina, as we mentioned, 63-43 winners the first half. Uh, Carolina, you know, shot the ball all right, not great. Um, You know, 13 of of 25, pretty good, uh, you know, 52% from the field, but... Uh, that 
that that was uh, excuse me got that one wrong actually got that uh, that was uh, Virginia's second half stats Carolina in the first half 13 of 34 uh, they shot 38.2 percent from the field they had 13 field goals made in that first half seven of them by way of Brady Manic they were just three of 14 from beyond the arc in that first half but again Manic the big guy there for Carolina. No other Tar Heel in that first half had more than four points, but with how decisive and dominant uh, Manic was, that was the difference. And on the other side, that first half for Virginia, about as ugly as it gets. They had five, they had five field goals the entire half out of the 27 that they attempted, 18.5% from the field. Jaden Gardner uh, was the guy that... Had had the best game by far, six points in that first half, but Carolina was just dominant. They forced Virginia into six turnovers in that first half. And really, when you look at the overall game stats, it reflected it pretty well. Carolina only shot 38% uh from the 38.5% from the field. And you know, another tough shooting night for Caleb Love, two of ten from the field with ten points. RJ Davis wasn't great. Struggled against this team earlier in the season. Wasn't nearly as bad in this game. Uh, had eight points in this one on four of thirteen shooting. Now he brought he brought it on the uh, on the glass. He had eight rebounds in this game and six assists. So an o- o- overall a really strong performance from R.J. Davis. Even though he didn't shoot well from the field, he made an impact uh, in other areas. Caleb Love also, even though he only scored ten points. He had three rebounds, more importantly, five assists. So Carolina's backcourt, 11 assists between the two guys to just three turnovers. Really strong night for them. Baycott, 10 points on five of 12 shooting, 11 rebounds. Again, not anywhere near as dominant as he was in that first game of the season where he had 29 and 22, but he gave Carolina exactly what they needed when they needed it at the end of the first half and then early in that second half. Brady Manick finishes as the leading scorer, only had two second-half points, but finished with uh, 21 overall, 8 of 15 from the field, 3 of 7 from beyond the arc, had 7 rebounds in this one. More importantly for Carolina, their starters, now they did have four guys that played over 30 minutes, but they did not have a single guy that played more than 35 minutes in this game. They had two guys off the bench, that played more than 15 in Puff Johnson and Justin McCoy. Justin McCoy, a solid night for him. Five points on two of four shooting and also had five rebounds. So a strong performance for him against his former team. Carolina, uh, overall, just, you know, th- this is what you were hoping for uh, if you were them. 50, uh, 35% from the field overall for Virginia. So Carolina wins in that category. Virginia did shoot. Uh, 27% from beyond the arc, but they were just 3 of 11 from behind the arc. That was an area where they didn't really throw up a lot of shots because a lot of them weren't going down early on. Uh, tried to get to the to, to that foul line most of the first half, and Carolina did a tremendous job of shutting that off. Carolina 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Virginia just 4 of 9. Turnovers, Virginia with 11, Carolina with 7. That was one of the key things that we talked about for the Tar Heels in this game was they had to take care of the basketball. They did just that. They valued the possessions. Virginia, a team that 
uh, wants to run the slow-paced offense, and Carolina was willing to go with that. They turned the ball over more times than Carolina did, and that's not going to feed in well for them to be able to win the game. Carolina had 13 points off of those 11 turnovers that they forced. Meanwhile, they held Virginia to just five points on the seven turnovers that they had. Carolina dominant on the glass, as you would expect in this game, against a smaller team uh, inside for Virginia. 46-32 to 32 advantage on the glass. Carolina with 11 offensive rebounds in this game uh, to just two for Virginia. Second chance points, Tariel's 14-2. to two. That's what you want to see if you're Hubert Davis and the guys. Bench points, Carolina... Right there with Virginia. Virginia at 11, but Carolina right behind them with eight points in the paint. Carolina 30 to Virginia's 24. Fast break points, Carolina 7, Virginia 3. Honestly shocked that Virginia gets anything that qualifies as fast break points. Blocks, Virginia did a good job in that area. Six blocks in this game. Carolina had just three steals. This is an area where Carolina struggled all year, but they they, they stole eight balls last night. Five steals for Virginia on the other end, and Carolina shared the ball very, very well. We told you earlier, seven turnovers overall to just to 17 assists for Carolina. Meanwhile, 14 assists on the other side for Virginia. Carolina in this game, just dominant. They led for 35 minutes, uh, and, and really, even that is honestly shocking. Um, you know, there there was just a small time where Virginia led. Uh, they led for a minute 33 in the game. That was, of course, early on in the game. And uh, just two minutes and 43 seconds, the game was tied. So Carolina, once they got that lead uh, early on, once the score, uh, once Carolina took the 11-9 lead, that was really it. They went on a run from there and really took over this game. Hubert Davis in the postgame had this to say about the uh, – Hubert Davis in the postgame had this to say on Carolina finally validating a win uh, as good as the one that they had the other night against Duke. That's something that we've talked about the entire season is validating a good performance, validating a win, validating um, who we are as a team. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about is, you know, we've played really well over the last month and a half and specifically we played really well this past Saturday and so you know let's 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 validate the win that we had this past Saturday by playing extremely well today so we take a look at the stat of the game and uh Hubert Davis you know talked about them validating it well their defense was a big part of it 13 first half points for Virginia the fewest in ACC tournament history That is hard to bounce back from. Carolina's defense was as stingy as it has been just about all season. And that'll get us into our takeaways from the game. And let's talk about that defense that seems to be peaking at the right time. And look, this was one of those circumstances where 13 points was a combination of Carolina playing good on the defensive end, showing good defensive effort, but also Virginia struggling to shoot the ball. Let's not deny that. Let's not act like Virginia wasn't having issues shooting the ball uh, on the night. This is a team that came in that we knew wasn't a great offensive team. They averaged just 63 points per game coming into the game. Um, But at the same time, this was a step up for Carolina to shut them down the way they did last night. I thought Carolina overall – 
I thought the guards did a tremendous job. And, of course, it starts with Leaky Black. He took away Kihei Clark, and that's really where the offense, when it is flowing at all for Virginia, goes through. If Kihei Clark is struggling, it's going to be a long night for Virginia, and that's exactly what happened in this one. Leaky was dominant against the veteran point guard for the Cavaliers. Uh, Clark just seven points on three of nine shooting, uh, and that's exactly what you wanted to see. Uh, from Carolina in this one to be able to put Leaky Black, a guy that is as versatile as it comes, on a point guard. Uh, there's been times where, of course, he's guarded Paolo Bancaro earlier this year, so his range when it comes to his defensive versatility is amazing, and he showed it once again in this game, just a dominant performance against the Cavaliers' star point guard. And as we we heard from Hubert Davis, this is finally a little bit of validation. It feels like any time that Carolina has picked up a win like this, the next time that they have some sort of big game, they sort of start to come back to the pack either with a loss or a performance that just leaves a lot to be desired. That did not happen in this game. These were the best games back-to-back that Carolina has played this season, and it's frankly not close. Now, look, it was two completely different games. The game on Saturday night, Carolina played great offensively. Now, look, I mean, they made defensive plays when they needed to, but that was really an offensive clinic where they allowed Baycott and the guards to go to work at the rim in the lane. In this one, this was more of, look, we're not shooting the ball well. We know that outside of Brady Manick, no one's really having a great night here early on. We're just going to lock down defensively and get the buckets when we can. And I thought they did a great job. And, and we talked about that earlier this year. This is a team that can win in a multitude of different ways. And I think they did just that in these last two games. It shows that this team is rounding into form with how dominant they were in those two games. And you, uh, this is starting to get the feel of one of these Roy Williams-era teams that is playing their best basketball at the most important time of the year. How far does that take them in, in, in the NCAA tournament? I think it really just depends on matchups. But right now, it feels like if they keep playing at this level, and we're going to see, if they can put another good game together tonight against Virginia Tech, I think any of those concerns, any of that paranoia, that worry, has to go out the window because that would be three games in a row where Carolina looks the part and is doing what is expected of them. But we'll have to see. Meanwhile, Brady Manick continues to grow what has been a relatively quiet legacy, I think, this season. I think Toriel fans knew early on in the season, this guy's a pretty big piece for Carolina. He's, uh, you know, a little bit more on the offensive end, you know, a little bit more complete than we probably thought he was coming in. We looked at him as really just a stretch four uh, that would just give us the ability to knock down outside shots. He wasn't going to be a guy that was going to battle on the glass or really be able to get uh, shots inside. That's not at all what is happening. Last night, he completely took over the game from the midway point of the first half on. Outscored Virginia, as we said, by himself and by a pretty significant margin, too. 19-13 to 13 is nothing to blink at. Um, and I think one of the other things, he stepped he stepped up his game on the defensive end. That was our biggest question with him, especially midseason. He got, you know, there was that stretch where he got worked a couple of times by Miami. And then, of course, Jake LaRavia 
just absolutely took him to the woodshed in the game against Wake Forest. I think, you know, now he's sort of started to settle in. I think, by the way, looking back on Jake LaRavia, you could probably say we were a little bit harsh on that performance just because Jake LaRavia has turned into a really, really good player for Wake. But he has stepped it up on all ends of the floor. And now you're starting to see a leader. Last night felt like one of those moments where Carolina needed some leadership in that game because early on, it wasn't quite going the way that they expected. Armando started 0 of 3 from the field. It looked like it was going to be one of those extremely ugly games. Carolina was going to have just an abysmal performance from the field like they did earlier in the season. Uh, Very similar to that game against Miami. But you had Manic sort of step up and say, look, I've been in this position before. I'm going to take over. I'm going to do what I have to do here. And you guys just follow my lead. And I thought they did a tremendous job of that. Manic, uh, slowly but surely, I think, uh, is starting to get himself into the conversation of one of the best one-and-done players in Carolina history. And somebody asked this question online last night. My initial reaction was to go to Kobe White. I said Kobe's probably still ahead of him at this point because just how dominant Kobe White was back in 2018-2019 was unbelievable, and I'm still one of those guys that to this day thinks if he had been there four years, he would be right up there in the conversation with the Tar Heels' greatest point guards of all time. I think he probably honestly would have challenged Ty Lawson for uh, that title that many people give him at this point uh, when you have that point guard argument, but uh, I, I, I think... You know, with Manic, I, I I think he's probably third. Someone did point out to me that Bob McAdoo, one and done, that was one that I forgot uh, that slipped off the top of my head. So, yeah, you would probably have him number one, Kobe White number two, um, and Brady Manic in third. But how far does this legacy go? Can he just continue this journey? Because he's starting to become that guy that, is taking over games offensively, that is leading Carolina to wins, and is growing himself from being more than just a fan favorite, this could be a conversation we have to revisit at some point in the offseason. And uh, we'll have to, that that might be one of the topics that's on the table for me and Josh when we get to the offseason. But, anyways, Carolina, uh, as we mentioned, 63 43 win in the quarterfinal matchup with Virginia. They now advance on to the semifinals to take on Virginia Tech. And when we come back here on the Four Corners podcast, we're going to take a look at the next Virginia team that Carolina has on the docket. It is Virginia Tech, the seventh seed in the ACC tournament. That lies ahead tonight at 9.30 on ESPN. Uh, But first, we're going to take a quick break here, hear from DraftKings, and uh, a little promo for the website. Make sure you guys stick around for that. And when we come back, we dive into that game against the Hokies at Carolina Looks to get their third win of the season against the team from Blacksburg. Stick with us here on the Four Corners Podcast. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Turn your favorite team's victory into your own big win. And we mean the Tar Heels. Bet on the heels to get it done, guys. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win, the Tar Heels, and get $200 in free bets if they do so. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers. Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, it's Anthony here. Make sure you head over to the Heel Tough blog website. Check out all the coverage that we've got of the ACC tournament. Josh is going to be previewing and recapping each game for the Tar Heels during this weekend's tournament action, however far Carolina goes. And then, of course, he'll have you covered on Selection Sunday. As for the football side of things, we've got you covered with everything that's going on around spring camp as news and notes come out. Check it out, heeltupblog.com. Hey guys, welcome back in. Four Corners Podcast, Anthony Pagnata here with you, getting you ready for the game against Virginia Tech tonight. Okies enter with a 21-12 record, and they have won two games in the ACC tournament. They started out with a thrilling buzzer-beater win over the number 10-seeded Clemson Tigers. That was one of those games against a team in Clemson that had been taking some dancing shoes off of teams here recently. But boy, they did a great job of weathering the storm and finding a way to take down the Tigers. And then they moved on. And last night, a really strong performance against Notre Dame. Really from the start there, Mike Young's team took a hold of the lead early on. And like Carolina, controlled it most of the way. It wasn't quite as comfortable as Carolina's win, but still a pretty dominant performance as the Hokies move on to the ACC Tournament semifinals, and it's needed. They are a team that is currently one of the first four out, according to Joe Lenardi. So this is the second straight game where Carolina is going to be facing a desperate team that is on the bubble and needs a win to be able to get into the NCAA Tournament because you got to feel like if they get this done against the Tar Heels in this one, it's going to be pretty hard for them to keep that team out of the ACC tournament. And look, coming into the season, there was a lot of talk about this Virginia Tech team, and rightfully so. They haven't really looked apart for most of the season. They've been extremely inconsistent, but they still got some really good players. Kevin Aluma is the guy that, of course, everybody's going to be talking about and has been talking about since the start of the year. Didn't have the year that I think a lot of people thought he would. There were a lot of people that thought he would be in the running for ACC Player of the Year That one never really materialized for him, but he still is leading this team with 15.6 points per game, 6.5 rebounds. That does not lead the team, but is second only behind fellow forward Justin Mutz, another guy that can stretch the floor, 10.3 points per game, 7.6 rebounds per game. And, uh, of course, Naheem Aline, that's a guy that Carolina fans should know. He averages 10.1 points per game. Uh, Those are the only three guys, though, for them that are, as of right now, double-figure scorers. Uh, They do have Hunter Couture off the bench. 
He averages 9.5 points per game. Uh, and really, again, the most dangerous thing for the, for Carolina is the fact that this is a team that comes in as one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They are currently fourth in the country. Uh, now that, that uh, Carolina sits here in the third matchup, they've really been inside of the top 15 to 10 all season long when Carolina's faced them. They are uh, currently shooting 38.9% from the field uh, from from behind the arc this season. Overall, shooting the ball relatively well. They are 40th in the country at 47% from the field this year. Uh, and a team that very similar to the team that Carolina just played uh, doesn't really score the ball that well. Now, they are significantly better than the team that Carolina just played in Virginia. They average 70.4 points per game. But that's still 202nd in the country and this is a team that turns the ball over a lot as well. 11 turnovers so far this year. The good news for them is, though, they do create some turnovers on the opposite side, uh, averaging 12.1 turnovers per game forced against the opponent. So this could be one of those sloppy games. It has been so far this season when Carolina has played them, but uh, th- that's probably what Carolina should be expecting in this one. You look back to the second matchup of the season between these two teams. The first matchup uh, was another ugly one in the Smith Center. This one, very, very similar. Actually, even more ugly this time around. Carolina, 65-57 win on the road against the Hokies. Carolina, in this one, turned the ball over 14 times, including uh, every single starter with at least two turnovers. But... Every starter but one, Leaky Black, in double figures in this game as well. Caleb Love, both games this season, he's played very, very well against Virginia Tech, and they're going to need him once again probably in this one uh, tonight. He had 21 points on 6 of 12 shooting from the field in the the second matchup, I should say. He was 3 of 8 from beyond the arc, so hit some of those important outside shots and had 7 assists as well. Meanwhile, Armando Baycott, 12 and 15 in that for in that second matchup of the season, uh, with four of seven from the field. He was four of four at the foul line. Carolina, 13 of 15 shooting at the free throw line was extremely important in this game. And Brady Manick did have a pretty strong performance in that one as well. 14 points, six of 12 shooting, and uh, did go two of four from beyond the arc. Every starter in that game for Carolina played at least 31 minutes and that was one of the games where Carolina had three guys that played 37 or more minutes. Carolina hoping they can get a little more production from the bench in this matchup this time around against Virginia Tech. But this is a Virginia Tech team that as we mentioned is playing desperate. They are one of the first four out right now so they are going to be coming in motivated Carolina enters with a 24-8 and record. They have won 12 of the last 14 games, and it's a reason why they are currently an eight seed in the South region. Armando Baycott still leading the team in scoring and rebounding. And, of course, as we told you earlier, he set the record for uh, most double-doubles in a season uh, last night in the game against the Virginia Cavaliers. Carolina... Uh, again, the guards, it's going to be extremely important for them to play well tonight 
uh, that so far this season, again, Caleb Love, 15.6 points per game. R.J. Davis, 13.4 points per game. And Brady Manick right there with them at 14.6. So those four guys in double figures in that starting lineup for the Tar Heels are all going to be important once again. And Carolina did get some significant minutes off the bench, as we mentioned. Puff Johnson, uh, he's been getting more and more of a role as the season has gone on. And it'll be interesting to monitor. Does Justin McCoy get minutes in this game? Or see one of those guys that just really against his former team uh, it steps up and, and plays well and then kind of goes back to his reserve role on the bench. Let's talk about the keys to this game for Carolina and how they can come in here and take down the Virginia Tech Hokies to get to that final, uh, which could present either Duke or Miami. First of all, one of the most important things here is don't look ahead. Carolina, there is a very good chance that Duke could be the team lying ahead. And, of course, everybody loves that rivalry matchup, including the players. They love to play in it. And Carolina, they would love to go in there and take two out of three from Coach K in his final season. There is no doubt about that. But Carolina cannot look ahead. They have to focus on this game that's ahead of them because, as we said, this is a team in Virginia Tech that needs this one about as much as any of the other teams on the bubble. It feels like they're in a prime position. They're right on the outside looking in. And this feels like that game amongst the teams on the bubble right now that could have the biggest effect as of today on what the eventual tournament field looks like. So Carolina's got to be prepared. There is a lot on the line for that team on the other side. And this is the second straight game where, for the first time really all season, the team on the other side is probably a little bit more desperate for this win than you are. Carolina handled it pretty well last night, but let's see how they handle it in this game against a team that is no doubt going to shoot the ball better than Virginia did last night. One of the main things they've got to do, they've done it in both games that they played them this season, and we talked about it. Team that ranks fourth in the country in three-point shooting at 38.9% from beyond the arc. Carolina's got to protect the three-point line. And Carolina's done a really good job of it so far in the two matchups this season. And the way that you know that is look at the guys that are used to putting up a bunch of shots from beyond the arc. The guy I've looked at the most when you go back and watch these two games is Storm Murphy. Carolina has held him to four attempts from beyond the arc in the two matchups that they've had this season. Uh, In comparison, Storm Murphy, outside of that, uh, is one of the best three-point shooters in the country this season uh, and has been for the last couple of years. And so far this year, he actually or he is third on the team, excuse me, uh, I thought he was higher up than that with 141 attempts so far this year. Hunter Couture, um, 184 attempts, and Naheem Aline, 161 attempts from beyond the arc. All three of those guys shooting 36% or better from beyond the arc. But Carolina has just dominated uh, on the defensive end in terms of taking away that perimeter in the first two matchups of the season with this Virginia Tech team. In the last matchup, Hunter Couture was just one of six from beyond the arc. Same thing with Naheem Aline and Storm Murphy, 0 of 3 from back there. So Carolina's focused on that throughout the majority of the season. It doesn't seem like Aluma and Mutz together have really been able to 
beat many teams with just their production. So Carolina's focus, once again, has to be take away the three-point line in this game, get this team out of their comfort zone, and make this game ugly like you have in the first two where Virginia Tech just has to scrap to get points. If you do that, I think Carolina's got a really great opportunity. And on the flip side, I think one of the keys for Carolina is you have to knock down the three ball. Carolina has had success with that in the two matchups this season against Virginia Tech. Uh, The last game, as we mentioned, Carolina had Caleb Love, three of eight from beyond the arc. R.J. Davis, two of six from beyond the arc. Brady Manick, two of four. Overall, they were eight of 12 from behind the arc, and that was extremely key in that matchup. And then you go back to the first matchup of the season, Carolina seven of, or uh, excuse me, 10 of 25 from behind the arc. You had Caleb Love, three of eight once again in that one. Brady Manick, four of eight. And R.J. Davis, one of four. Leaky Black with two big threes in that first matchup of the year. But this is one of the keys so far this season when Carolina plays this team. They have to shoot the ball well from the outside. Their guards have to be on because Armando Baycott, he has moments where he's able to go in and dominate, but he's, this is a team that has given him a little bit of trouble in terms of his efficiency from the field in these types of matchups. So Carolina has to be able to knock down the shots from the outside, take it away on the other end, and that should allow Carolina to be in a good position to win this game. So I'm going to give you a prediction here for this matchup. Man, Carolina's playing as well as they have in a long, long time, probably since you go back to that 2018-19 season uh, that we were talking about with Kobe White. I think Carolina is in a groove right now. I think this is one of those matchups where Carolina – uh, just fits this this matchup very, very well. The difference between this matchup and the last two times that Carolina has played this team earlier this year, this feels like a more desperate Virginia Tech team in this matchup. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than the two matchups so far earlier this year, but I still think Carolina is just in that good of a groove. I like Carolina to pull off the win here. I'll take Carolina again. A little bit of an ugly one. I like Carolina 72-67 taking down Virginia Tech. So, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Guys, make sure you head out over and check out all that stuff that I was telling you about earlier uh, when we were on break during the commercial over on HeelToughBlog.com. You can check it out on the social medias as well. The Facebook page, at HeelToughBlog on Facebook. You can also check it out on Twitter, at HeelToughBlog. Uh, the personal accounts, best place to follow us for reaction during the game tonight at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for Josh. And, of course, make sure you're right back here tomorrow to listen to the next edition of the podcast. If you're not subscribed, head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever it is, the, the Four Corners podcast is there. Make sure you check it out there, and when you do, You subscribe so that you don't miss any of the episodes of the podcast. This is the most crucial time of the year. You don't want to miss us breaking these games down for you and getting you prepared uh, for Carolina, whoever they're going to face in the NCAA tournament or in the ACC tournament moving forward as they round into form in the month of March. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for allowing me to host again. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go, Tori.
The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.